The NFL Power Rankings Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. Week 12 of the NFL season is here, and there are a couple of awesome games on tap this Sunday. Are you a Packers fan who hasn't bought your ticket to see the Pack play the Niners yet? Or a Cowboys fan trying to get into Foxborough to see Dak Prescott versus the Patriots? Check out Game Time to find the best possible seats at the very best prices. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in Google Play or the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. back to the Athletics Power Rankings Podcast. I'm Lindsay Jones, NFL reporter from The Athletic. And I'm Amy Perlopiano, NFL editor at The Athletic. And look, we're not really going to sugarcoat this as we get into this week's episode. That was a pretty crappy week in the NFL. I mean, if we look all the way back to everything that happened last week where... The Colin Kaepernick news was dominating the news cycle. Then we got that really unwatchable game on Thursday night where before the brawl with Miles Garrett swinging a helmet, there were three players knocked out with a concussion. It was just a really, really difficult game to watch. Um, And then Sunday, the games were just largely not that exciting. The Saturday, we also saw Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. You know, he's supposed to be one of these very high draft picks, and he suffered this devastating hip injury. It was just really, really tough to watch. And there were a lot of times this weekend where I was like, why do I love football? Like, why? Why am I doing this to myself? This is really difficult. But um, we are still here for you. We still have our rankings. um, And we want to get into all of kind of what happened, what the fallout was. And, you know, it, it just was a really weird Sunday. There were not a lot of close games. I mean, I think I wrote this in our Athletic Power Rankings file that's online now. Um, You know, week 10 was awesome. We had so many close games, almost all of the games. I think all but two of them were decided by um, a touchdown or less. The complete opposite happened this week. It was just all these blowouts. I think there were six games that were decided by 17 points or more. Um, So really what happened was that there wasn't a ton of movement around our power rankings this week. You know, we had, you know, a couple teams go up or down a couple spots. We do have a new number one team. Spoiler alert. We're going to get to that in a moment. So we're going to do things a little bit differently today. And we're going to bring in a couple of guests from our Athletic NFL Writer Network to talk about a couple interesting teams. Um, We're going to talk to Jason Lloyd from Cleveland about the aftermath of that Miles Garrett incident. Um, And we're going to talk to Jordan Rodrigue from Carolina to talk about the Colin Kaepernick workout that she attended um, on Saturday. But mostly we want to talk to her about what the heck is going on with the Panthers, who were blown out at home on Sunday by the Atlanta Falcons. So before we get into all of the rankings and talking to Jordan and Jason, we just have another reminder that these rankings are voted on by our athletic national staff. There are about eight or nine of us who are voting. So it's not all Lindsay. Lindsay has the byline, but yell at all of us. We all are the ones who make these votes. Um, and because we really do read all the comments. And usually they're they're usually fun to read. Top five, bottom five. All right. So now we're going to get right into the rankings. And the bottom five, not that exciting. Same bottom teams as last week. Um, we've got number 28. The New York Jets are up one spot after beating the Redskins quite convincingly. Number 29, the Miami Dolphins down a spot. Uh, they just flopped with the Jets. Number 30, the New York Giants. They stayed put here well in their bye week. And uh, I, I don't think any of us were complaining that they were on a bye. We didn't have to watch them. Number 31, the Washington Redskins. 
Um, they're still at 31, though they actually scored two touchdowns this week, but not until they were already losing 34 to 3. So that's the Redskins season in a nutshell for you. And number 32, the Cincinnati Bengals. They played better against the Raiders, but um, they have zero wins. <laughs> they're all in 10. So we're not awarding points for more victories. Um, Lindsay, any thoughts on these? I don't really have much to say. They're all pretty bad. And Nope. 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 That's good. I don't think anybody's going to complain about them. So let's move right into our top five. Um, We're also not a ton of changes this week, um, except at the very top. So we've got number five, the New Orleans Saints. They stayed put after that bounce back win on Sunday against Tampa. Number four, the San Francisco 49ers um, who came back from being down 16 to nothing to beat the Cardinals. I mean, I think we were watching that game for a while going, oh, Niners are in trouble, but you know, they had a really strong um, second half. Uh, number three, the Seattle Seahawks, they stayed put on their bye week. Fantastic GIF in the bye week uh, or in the athletic power rankings file this week. Um, and they've got a really big stretch of games coming up in the next three weeks with the Eagles, Vikings, and Rams. So uh, a lot of playoff implications there for the Seahawks. Number two, we've got the New England Patriots who uh, moved down a spot this week after a really kind of uninspiring win against the Eagles. Um, and if you watch Tom Brady's press conference afterwards, he was really pissed. And I don't think it was an act. I think, you know, he was really frustrated about what his offense was able to do. And the Eagles played really well against the Patriots in the red zone. So the Patriots are back one spot to number two, which brings us to number one. For the first time, now we have the, the Ravens ahead of the Patriots at number one. So it took a couple weeks, but our voters finally moved the Raiders ahead, or the Ravens, excuse me, sorry, um, the Ravens ahead of the Patriots. It was just such a convincing win against the Texans. And really, that game was supposed to be this great quarterback duel between Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. And it was uh, as big a blowout. You know, it was basically, I mean, not quite as big, but basically as big a blowout as the, the Ravens beating the Dolphins. I mean, it was just that lopsided. So, you know, that's kind of where we are right now. The Ravens defense had a lot to do with that win. Um, but Lamar Jackson just keeps humiliating opposing defenses. Um, and this time it was a defense of a team that should be a playoff team. Yeah. And we went through a lot of the negatives of the NFL. Lamar Jackson is definitely one of the positives right now. He's so fun to watch every single week. The things he does is really amazing to see. So that's one of the fun parts about the NFL, even during a pretty bad week. Um, this was my exact same top five from last week. It, I, it was the easiest uh, voting process because I just kept them all exactly the same. And it worked out that this is exactly what everyone else um what it turned out to be averaging all the votes as well. So I have uh, no complaints about the top five this week. This is exactly what I had. Yeah. I mean, I know some Ravens fans have been frustrated with us um, in recent weeks because they hadn't moved um, ahead of the Patriots and the Patriots actually jumped all the way back up to number one last week. Um, even though they were on their bye week. Um, yeah. But, you know, now I just think that the Ravens are putting together just this really impressive resume. I mean, it's not just that they beat the Patriots. It's that they beat the Seahawks in Seattle. Um, you know, they beat the Texans, you know, and they kicked the crap out of the Texans. And, you know, really the only like kind of bad loss or whatever on their roster right now is, or on their resume is they lost at Arrowhead to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes was healthy. And, you know, I don't think we, I don't, I didn't ding them too much at the time about that. No, yeah. Um, and that obviously, and they did lose, excuse me, they did lose at home to the Browns. And uh, so that's that one was there, but, yeah. but we've kind of forgot. We've moved, <laughs> moved well. And, we I mean, moved that was really, and that was on the defense a lot, but yeah, I mean, the, the Ravens are really just putting together such an impressive resume right now and they are must watch. I mean, I would, 
you know, I'm, I find myself jumping over from red zone or Sunday ticket to like just focus on what the Ravens are doing, even when they're winning and blowing teams out because Lamar Jackson is just that exciting and that much fun to watch right now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to watch him. I was bummed that it wasn't quite the showdown we thought it would be between Jackson and Watson, but I did love the Jersey exchange at the end between the two of them. Some of the photos coming out of that were really cute and you could see what they wrote in each other's jerseys. It was really cute. And it's still, it's very exciting to have both of them uh, playing at, at such a high level, even if we didn't see quite that high level from Watson uh, on Sunday. So now let's talk about a couple of interesting teams that are still on the outside of the playoff picture, but they are right now going in opposite directions toward the postseason. First, we're, we're happy to be joined by Jordan Rodriguez, one of our excellent pa- uh, Carolina Panthers beat writer. Jordan traveled to Atlanta on Saturday and covered Colin Kaepernick's workout. And you can read her story from that day on The Athletic right now. And if you want all the full details of what went down in Atlanta and what that means for Kaepernick and the NFL, make sure you listen to Jordan on Monday's episode of The Lead, um, our one of the NFL, or excuse me, the, the Athletics um, daily sports podcast. It's excellent. Jordan did such a great job on that podcast. I cannot recommend it highly enough. So just search the lead. It's available on all the podcast platforms or within the athletic app. Um, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's get right into the Panthers, because I don't think anyone could have predicted uh, a 29 to three loss to the Falcons at home on Sunday. Pretty embarrassing. What happened? What went wrong during their loss to the Falcons? Uh, kind of what, is, what does it mean right now for them? What went wrong there? Well, I think that tight end Greg Olson said it best when he called Sunday's loss a comedy of bad football. And I think he was referring to Shakespearean comedies, which are in fact tragedies, which is what we saw on (laughs) Sunday. Um, They were just terrible in all phases. I mean, it was an absolute fiasco. They gave up a a long punt return touchdown um, on special teams to a guy who they had formal that had formerly been a Carolina Panther as the Panthers still look for their own returner. Uh, so that was a little salty. And then Kyle Allen was awful. He made some really questionable um, decisions and threw four interceptions with no touchdowns. And they couldn't protect him up front. Each tackle gave up a sack and, and their rookie left tackle, Greg Little, gave up two. And uh, the the only thing they actually did okay uh, at was stopping the run, which ironically has been their huge problem for the last three, four weeks. Now it it looks like when they can stop the run, they just can't, you know, they're not able to defend anything else based on what happened on Sunday. So it was just a, it was just a bad game all around for everybody. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about Kyle Allen and, and how he continues to learn and grow, obviously being put in this position uh, with Cam Newton on injured reserve, but I mean, he's got to learn from these mistakes. You can't turn the ball over four times and expect to win a football game, especially against a division rival. And so he's got to be learning from these things and he has to just be um, recalibrating because they, they've got a tough road ahead. Yeah. So when I looked back, I mean, the, the game that they lost at Lambeau Field in the snow uh, the week before, you know, I, I didn't really ding the Panthers because of that loss. You know, I kind of thought that there was actually some progress. Um, You know, that's a really tough environment to play in. Um, But then we saw it just felt like such a step back from Kyle Allen and that whole offense. So, you know, the Panthers have some really big quarterback decisions to make um, this offseason. You know, so much of it, I think, is depending on Kim Newton's health. But, you know, what have you learned about Kyle Allen so far? And when he has a really rough day like this, like that he did on Sunday, what does that do for maybe their long-term decision making? 
Well, he he's been kind of regressing, even though you know he did put up a fight in the against Green Bay. He has been regressing over the last few weeks in terms of turning the football over, and that's where his problems are, and that's something that bothered him in Houston as well. So I think if you're the Panthers, you just really want to uh, to make sure that those errors are getting corrected, and specifically. What concerns me is about making kind of the same back-to-back bad decision where, you know, he threw a pick in the end zone uh, against Green Bay and then basically missed the exact same crossing defensive back when he threw a pick in the end zone um, against Atlanta. So those types of things are where I have some concern. And I think the coaching staff does as well because he, he, he needs to be learning week to week. And I think if they can start seeing progress in that regard... Um, you know, they'll, they'll have, they'll be more optimistic about his future. But again, like you said, everything really does just hinge on whether Cam Newton is healthy or can be healthy or will be healthy or has a definitive answer to when he'll be healthy. And otherwise, I mean, this is not Kyle, Kyle, I think is going to be a really great backup in this league. And I think I echo, you know, some, some, uh, people within the organization's thoughts and, and while they're hopeful, he can turn things around and, and, you know, be manage the game efficiently and get the ball to his playmakers who are very talented and could be the rising tide that kind of lifts all boats here in Carolina. Um, as long as he can be more efficient with the football and play a clean game. Um, I think that to them, that's like a best case scenario. So Jordan, the Panthers now sit at, they are five and five and their remaining schedule is they've, they've got a pretty tough road. It's at saints, then Redskins, then at Falcons, Seahawks, at Colts, Saints to end the season. So what's your read on their realistic playoff chances right now? Do you think uh, Sunday's game kind of ended that for them? I do. And, I, you know, I don't want to be like the negative person here, but I, I do think that this is just a, a really tough road. And their schedule looked really nice at the beginning of the year. And now and now it's yeah. looking really questionable. And, and there's not really much you can do about that. I think you've you've had a backup quarterback who's sometimes exceeded expectations, but you are still playing with a guy who was an undrafted backup quarterback. And at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we love to have these fairy tale stories in the NFL, but more often than not, the reality is that it's a really tough game and other teams around them are getting better this time of year and the Panthers are getting worse. And that's the opposite trajectory they need to have right now. All right, Jordan, we can't let you go before asking you one question about Saturday. I know it was such an insane day for you with flights and driving all over the um, Atlanta metro area. And um, you guys definitely need to check out Jordan's episode of The Lead. That was on Monday. Make sure to check that out. But Jordan, what was now that you've had a couple days of distance from traveling to Atlanta, watching Colin Kaepernick's workout, um, what was your big takeaway you know, with a little distance from that day and um, kind of what that entire experience was like for you? Yeah, well, you know, I'm glad you asked because I think probably my main perspective right now, now that the dust has settled a little bit on the workout itself, is that I'm a little bit frustrated with the reaction to, I think, some of the national pundits about this workout when, you know, I, I didn't see any of them there. And so the frustrating thing to me is that people have kind of formed these opinions on on this workout without really being able to take in how valuable this experience was for Colin Kaepernick um, and how it was really momentous for all of the people um, around him who believe in him and who came out by the hundreds to watch this workout. And that was what really continues to stick out for me about that workout was how 
not only did he, you know, flip the script on the NFL, and I think we're seeing now some really sketchy waiver uh, um, shenanigans, I think, to put it politely, um, that were kind of within the, 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 the body of this workout, which was a reason why he did want to flip the script on this. And so we're seeing these things come out, but at the heart of it all, I mean, like I said, on the lead, that is something that stuck with me is, is once all of that chaos settled and once he got out there on the field and, and the lights are on at the high school and we're in the bleachers and there's a, a hundreds of people crowding around the outside and, and it's just Colin Kaepernick and he's just out there playing football. And, and it felt right. It felt like that was how it was supposed to be. And when I, when I look back at the scouts that did make it, um, I thought that was important. I thought that was a gesture to Colin to say some of us are serious and some of us are earnest because honestly, and you guys know this as well as anybody, if not better, there is not a scout or personnel person in the league that really believed that he couldn't throw the football. There's, there's no secret about, you know, his preparation and people didn't really honestly believe, um, you know, people who are making these decisions didn't really honestly believe that he can't go out and play football. But what I thought more of them were there for at the workout that actually happened was not so much um, checking a box, but really um, wanting to see how the community responds to such a player. And I think that they really got an experience that was important because you see a community come out again by the hundreds in Atlanta, where it's often gridlocked, you know, throughout the day, even on a Saturday, came out to see him and to respond to his presence. And I think that is is quite a statement in and of itself to the league and to owners. Yeah, I think the two things that really stuck out to me was, one, it just was really nice to see him on a football field and to be smiling. Mm-hmm. And it's just been so long and it was just this night. Nice, it just was nice to watch him, just to see him there. And, you know, you it felt like one of those workouts where – you could kind of see what you wanted to see where if you think that he's inaccurate, like you would take the, you know, those couple deep shots that he missed and say, Oh, he's, he's inaccurate. And if you think like he's absolutely an NFL starter, you'd say, Hey, look, you know, you could see that, but I just, it was just nice to see him playing football. I mean, you know, if it's in shorts and a tank top and, or, you know, a t-shirt and throwing against air, but it was still him on a football field and showing that he does want to be there. Um, And then the other thing that I took away from it and that your reporting really, really showed was just how I think over the last three years, how underreported his support has been. You know, I think there's Mm -hmm. been so many stories and words written about the people who um, don't like him. And I think it's because there's those people are very, very vocal on social media. Some of them uh, occupy the White House. Um, So we hear about those people more. And what we saw was that there were only two people who showed up to protest against him and hundreds who were there for him. And that's journalistically, I think that's a little bit of a lesson for all of us that when we're covering these sorts of things, that there are a lot more other voices out there that might not already being heard. But you did great reporting. I'm so glad you were there. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, we look forward to reading all of your coverage about the Panthers and uh, maybe their unlikely playoff run. I don't know. But thank you so much, Jordan. It it was really nice to have you uh, on today. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Jordan. And again, make sure you listen to Jordan on Monday's episode of The Lead. That is available on all of our all of the podcast platforms. You can read her story. It's up now at theathletic.com as well. Now we're joined by Jason Lloyd, editor of The Athletic Cleveland and a columnist who writes about the Browns. Thank you so much for joining us, Jason. Thanks, ladies, for having me. So first, um, let's just get updated real quick. What is going on with Miles Garrett, his, uh, his appeal of his suspension, and what do you think his chances are of maybe getting his indefinite suspension reduced? 
Well, Miles was on a plane today to New York to have his appeal heard. And because Cleveland does Cleveland, there was pictures all over the Internet of it, of him in the airport, <laughs> shaking hands with people at the gate. And uh, I, I would imagine posing for pictures and whatever else. So we'll have the appeal hearing on that tomorrow. At best, at best, I could see this being reduced to this season. I don't think he's playing another snap this year, regardless. Uh, you know, maybe they clear up the uh, infinite timeline on this and, and they drop that. But other than that, I would be shocked. If he walked out of here with like a four-game suspension, I, I would really be surprised. I, I think we've seen the last of Miles Garrett for this year. And Jason, so, you know, the Browns had won two in a row with this game over the Steelers, but now kind of no one is uh, – <laughs> It's a. it feels like a loss, and I know some of the people on the Browns actually said that. So what did this incident tell you about uh, who the Browns are right now as a team? They're undisciplined. They talk a lot, and they have a hard time backing it up. And, and yeah, that was a big win. That was a huge win for them against against yeah. Pittsburgh. But, you know, also, let's remember, James Conner was out. They lost their top two receivers. They were ba- basically thrown to a practice squad guy uh, who they just picked up off the street a couple days earlier. So it's it's really hard to get a read on where the Browns are right now because they're probably going to win Sunday. They're going to beat Miami, so they're going to have th- a three-game winning streak. And that's great. That's where they, you know, that's what was expected of them before the season started. But it, I still don't think we have a clear view of what this team can be. I, I've thought all along, I've thought since training camp, Freddie Kitchens was overwhelmed and in over his head. Uh, the, the Baltimore game is really sort of the anomaly now of like, where did that come from? And why have they nev- not been able to duplicate that in any week since? So, you know, a lot of fans around here certainly feel like, okay, now it's moved in the right direction and there's hope, and, and that's fine. I, you know, I tend to wonder if it's too late, number one. And number two, you know, the margin of error right now is so thin. Uh, I just – I have a hard time believing they're going to win out. They, they have Baltimore coming back here. That's going to be a much different Ravens team than the one they beat up in week four. You know, I think the Steelers are obviously going to be very motivated uh, in, in Pittsburgh in, in two weeks. So to expect them to run the table and make the playoffs, I think that there are some fans around here starting to believe that that's a possibility. I have a hard time believing that. I, you know, I think best case scenario, they're probably eight and eight, uh, maybe nine and seven. But and, and whether or not that's good enough for Freddie to keep his job, we'll see, because there's just been a lot that has gone wrong this year. There have been so many instances this year where you kind of stand up and look and go, wait a minute. That's not supposed to happen in, in an NFL game and on an NFL field. And, and the incident with Miles is really just the latest example of that. So, Jason, I spent a little bit of time with Miles Garrett when I was at Brown's training camp this summer. You've covered him and kind of you know watched him pretty closely over the last couple of years. Um, I was hoping you could maybe give our listeners maybe a, a kind of a Cleveland take on who Miles Garrett is and maybe why this incident on Thursday night was was really so surprising. And then also like how what. What's the reaction been around Cleveland two miles since this happened? You said he's shaking hands with people at the airport, but um, you know, who is Miles Garrett and how is this now maybe going to follow him for the rest of his career? Yeah. You know, Lindsay, it is going to follow him for the rest of his career. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but it's, it's so strange because this was never an issue for him. His first two years in the league, it was always the talk of how much does he love football? Is he too passive? You know, he's got to be meaner. And, and then we saw him, you know, the, he punched a player in week one and was, and was fine for it. And, you know, was got a couple late hit, uh, roughing the quarterback was fined 42,000 for the game against the jets. 
And now we have this instance. It's really kind of come out of left field. It's like, okay, what has happened over the course of the last year that that has brought this out? Because is it something going on with him personally that we don't know anything about? Is it is it the culture of of this team? Something has changed because Miles never behaved like this before. And suddenly he's behaving like this now. Because I'll tell you right now, I'm the farthest thing from a homer you will find. And I will tell you, Miles Garrett is not a dirty player at all. I don't believe that for a second. I don't think, uh, you know, and that's not to absolve him of what he did or excuse what he did because it, it's inexcusable and it's indefensible. But at the same time, like if you're trying to tell me that he's Vontez perfect, he's not, but he's going to be in that category. He's going to be in the Indomitian Sioux category now going forward. And it's unfortunate because that's not him. That's not who he is. And, you know, everyone in Cleveland knows, you know, he loves dinosaurs. He goes around the, the Natural History Museum. He loves to write poetry. You know, we, there was a game after a win last year, after a Browns win, he was blaring Elton John throughout the locker room. And just things that you don't normally would attribute to one of the most ferocious pass rushers in the league, he doesn't fit the mold. And, you know, he was punched in the face a few weeks ago by a, a guy who's looking for a, a selfie and a picture with him. And the dude punched him in the face and, and Miles didn't respond. He didn't retaliate. So I don't think that necessarily this is a guy who's like a ticking time bomb with an anger issue and like all these things. If I was if I was in Sheboygan watching this game, I would say, boy, that guy's crazy. That guy needs help. And that's just not the case. It, it was really like so far from his norm of who he normally is, is why it was really so surprising. And in fact, I saw when it was happening and I and I didn't know it was him. And you saw, and I, for some reason, I just happened to be watching that end of the field. And I saw him rip the helmet off and I saw him swing it. And I was like, oh, my God, who's that crazy guy? And then we was like, wait a minute, that was Miles? Miles Garrett did that? It was just so out of the norm. Uh, and, 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 you know, again, it's not going to matter, though, because this is his reputation now. And he's got to live with it. And, and he knows that. And, you know, I wrote this after the game as well. But, you know, Lindsay, I'm sure you can relate to this. I've been around long enough. I've seen plenty of athletes give false apologies and you know that they're saying something that has been written out or recited them and rehearsed for them to say they have no meaning behind it whatsoever. And they just want to get past whatever this is and move on. And that was not the case with miles. You could see it in the locker room as he was getting dressed. He was wearing it. He was feeling it. He was embarrassed. He knew he had screwed up. And I just, you know, you, you kind of felt bad for him for a little bit just because it's so out of character for him. And in terms of like the Cleveland reaction to that, everybody wants Mason Rudolph suspended and you know, that's fine and well, but it's not going to change anything. Like that's what I keep saying. Okay, fine. Say Mason Rudolph suspended for a game. What's that really going to change? It's not going to change anything. So Cleveland fans just feel like it's, it's not fair because they feel like Mason Rudolph started it. And, uh, and, and Garrett was the one who took the brunt of the punishment and Rudolph got off scot-free and, you know, again, a little bit of context to it. It's at the end of the game. The game's almost over. And Rudolph got absolutely punished on first and second down. He got crushed on both downs. It's the end of the game. And the Browns linemen just have their ears pinned back. And they're coming for him. And now it's third down. And I looked at Pat McManaman next to us, next to me in the press box. And I said, just take a knee and let's go home. And that was the play where Miles wraps him, threw him down a little late. You know, I think you can it, – it's funny because – the officials throw penalties on everything that relates to the quarterback. Now I was kind of surprised that they didn't throw a penalty on that. And I wondered if it was because there was eight seconds left. Everyone just wanted to go home and get this thing over with for whatever reason, they don't throw the flag. And now Rudolph reacts and tries to twist miles, head off. And then we know where, how it escalated from there. So, 
Cleveland fans, to their credit, are not excusing Miles' behavior. I think everyone who's interacted, who I've interacted with, agrees that there's no room for it in the league and he's got to be punished for it. But a lot of Browns fans are upset that Mason Rudolph got off without a with with really without much of a, a penalty at all. Well, we know that your staff at the Athletic Cleveland, your Browns beat writers, um, are going to be covering this and watching this really closely. Um, so, Jason, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to seeing what happens next with the Browns. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, ladies. Power up, power down. All right, let's wrap this up with our power up and our power down. Amy, you want to kick us off? Yeah, um, we kind of referenced this at the beginning, and I don't mean to end on a negative note, but I'm just going to power down the NFL this week. I mean, we've talked about a lot of the reasons why, but to start the week with that Thursday night game, with what we just discussed with Jason, the really horrendous display um, from both Miles Garrett and also on other plays throughout the game, really bad helmet-to-helmet hits uh, that did not result in the same kind of outrage that this uh, big public, uh, this horrible Garrett play did, uh, but we're still very dangerous and uh, really hard to watch. And then just kind of, you know, then Saturday with the Kaepernick stuff, it just felt like a, a complete mess. It, it felt like the NFL didn't know what they were doing. No one really understood why it happened now, um, the way they handled it, changing the location and all this stuff. And now uh, Jordan kind of references stuff with the waivers. There's just a lot of stuff that <laughs> went really wrong this week for the NFL. And it was kind of really public and on display. And it did feel a little bit icky watching some of the games. And they weren't even good games. There wasn't even like a great game to kind of be like, oh, yeah, that's why we watched. Like there wasn't any of that this week. It just kind of felt Ugh, you just kind of felt gross watching this week with everything that was going on with on Thursday and then kind of how they just totally mishandled this entire Colin Kaepernick uh, situation. So powering down the NFL, um, it was just it was a tough week to, to get through. All right. Well, I'm going to end things on a positive note here, because there if anybody go. knows Sorry. me, I am the ray of sunshine here on our NFL <laughs> staff. I'm the negative Nancy. <laughs> that is not true. Um, but I'm going to power up Kirk Cousins. And I God, I hope our Vikings listeners have stuck around to hear me say that, because um, what Kirk Cousins did in the fourth quarter, leading uh, the Vikings to um, a 27-23 win against the Broncos in a game that they were trailing 20 to nothing at halftime, was ridiculous. And yes, the Broncos uh, fell apart. They imploded. I live in Denver. I've been listening to a lot of Denver sports radio. It hasn't been pretty. But look, Kirk Cousins deserves a ton of credit there because, you know, the the reputation that he has is that he isn't going to come through in those clutch situations. He's not going to come through when they really need big drives. And all he did was lead three fourth quarter touchdown drives. He had this in- incredible connection with Stephon Diggs late in that game. And um, and good for you, Kirk Cousins. And uh, go look, Amy pulled up the, the gif from Washington that you like that. And that was his last biggest comeback. He referenced that after the game. Um, you know, it wasn't quite the same 20 to nothing at halftime, I think, because there was a, a different score differential. But, you know, g- good for you, Kirk Cousins. And God, the Vikings really needed that win. That would have been a really, really bad loss. So powering up the the Minnesota Vikings to end this podcast on a, power, on a, on a positive <laughs> note. And let's have a good week 12, everybody. Yes, we like that, Kirk Cousins. We, we, we like what you're doing. Um, all right, that wraps this up. Uh, kind of a weird week, but we got through it. <laughs> so we will be back uh, later this week with a bonus episode. And then next week for your regularly scheduled uh, Power Rankings podcast. So thanks for listening.